I'm not pulling my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the Drive to Work Coronavirus Edition. So I've been using my time at home to interview people. And today I have a fun guest, Ari Zorulnik, who uh, is, I guess on, on paper, is a senior copywriter. Uh, but we're going to talk about what he does today. And that one of the things that I, the reason I want to have Ari on is there's a lot of cool things that go on behind the scenes making magic. And I think people focus on a very few of them. So one of my goals is to sort of, you know, introduce you guys to other things that happen that you don't even think about, but that are key to making magic. Hi, Ari. Hey, Mark. How's it going? Okay, so we're going to break down. You actually have, I know you wear a lot of hats and do a lot of things. Um, So we're going to start with sort of your official main job and then go to other things that you also do, because I know you, you do lots of stuff. Okay, so let's start by talking about package copywriting. What is package copywriting? What is that? Uh, well, you see, Mark, the, the key component of package copywriting is first you have the package of magic cards, and then you have the copy that's written to go on it. But uh, more specifically, um, I, well, actually up until this week, and I can get that later, wrote all of the words that went on every single physical magic product. So that's like... Uh, the tagline that's on the back of your box of draft boosters to the, the sales text that's under it. That's the extremely and delightfully unhinged secret layer product copy on the website. Um, I don't do all the web copy, just secret layer. But if, if there is words on a box or pack or sleeve of magic cards, I put them there. And for those, I mean, it's, it's funny that a lot of people don't think about, like, the packs on some level have to do more than sell themselves. Like, you, we have to the packs themselves have to say why they're exciting and what's going on that. I think the enfranchised audience thinks like everybody knows everything, but no, th- most audience don't. Most people who pick up a magic don't exactly know what's going on. They, they need information. Yeah. And I mean, with us adding new types of boosters like collector boosters and uh, set boosters, the audience for each individual product, we now have more direct audiences than ever before. So the language that I'm using on a draft booster is kind of more open and acquisitional, right? We're trying to let anyone who's picking this understand what they're doing. But for a collector booster, you know, if you're buying a collector booster, you know what it's about. You love magic. You want all the, the coolest, shiniest toys. So the copy on that is kind of more informative, telling you about what kind of cool stuff you're going to find and, you know, getting excited because it's an exciting thing to open. Yeah, one of the things that I, a theme that I always bring up is how there's lots of different audiences and like every product is aimed at somebody different. Um, and, and like it's interesting because I I think in some ways it's very easy to think like everything just happens like it just magically somehow um, and people forget that there's somebody behind the scenes on everything you know like somebody had to make the logo somebody had to do the packaging somebody you know and um, I think that's fascinating. Now another thing that you do beyond just writing the copy uh, is you do a lot of work with the legendary creatures. So let's talk a little bit about what what you do there. Yeah, and. Uh... First of all, just for, for the sake of discussing this, I'm going to say I a lot. It's not just me. There's a whole team of incredible world builders working on everything. Everyone is really talented and super smart and awesome to work with. So if I ever say I by accident, it's a we. But, um, but yeah, uh, so Legendary Creatures, well, this first one's an I. When I first started here, it was uh, like right after Eldraine had released Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd been putting more legendary creatures and stuff than ever before because, you know, Commander's popular, legendary creatures are fun, they're cool, they have personality, but a lot of leg- legendary creatures were kind of falling through the cracks. Like, uh, like tell, give, tell me the backstory for Wrinkle. Uh, but you, you can't, because 
He, he doesn't have one that's anywhere publicly visible. So starting, um, we started a little bit with M20, but then the first actual one of these articles was um, for Zendikar Rising. Uh, I worked with the team to create bios for every single legendary creature that comes out in every single set. Because I don't know, when I when I build a commander deck, I want to know exactly what my commander's doing, and I want to care about them, and I want to like be like, oh, this guy's cool because he got this big sword when he killed the dragon. Yeah, there's better bios than that one. So, but back in the day, uh, just to get the audience some concept, uh, some sort of larger subtext, to everything. Um, when, my, for example, when I started working on Magic many years ago, there were like a set would have like three or four legendary characters in it, and like in order to become a legendary card, you had to have a role in the story. Like, we, it, it's not as if we sort of made legendary characters and then figured out what are they. It was like, oh, well, this has to be legendary. This is so and so, and that you know, we would make cards to represent characters in the story. But pretty much one for one, if you were a legendary creature, you showed up in the story. Um, so flash forward many years, you know, and now there's like commander, especially there's reasons to, to want more, you know, legendary creatures. So we've, we've expanded larger than the story. Like we, there's no way for every legendary creature to play a role in the story. That just can't happen anymore. Um, and so we had the dynamic you're talking about where a card got made legendary because it's a cool commander or it's, it's, it's a cool character but it's not necessarily being drawn directly from the story and like right the players are like well who is this person i get that question all the time this is my commander can you tell me more about them what plane are they from what is this you know what what who is this character i don't know who this is and i know you spend a lot of time and energy trying to make them know who that is yeah although uh, that uh that that product process has now kind of been spread out amongst the world building team more so it's a uh... I'm, I'm very excited. It's been widely implemented. Actually, for Neo, I'm super excited about the face commanders in this one. They're kind of the the characters I had my hands in the most. Like I, uh, I developed bios for them before we commissioned the art, mm-hmm. and uh, then kind of handed it off to Roy, the story lead, and uh, Emily Tang, and everyone else who's developing the set to write these really cool side stories for them as well. Mm-hmm. So they're. they're uh, there's like a lot of layers to them. Like, so who, uh, pick one of your favorites. One of your favorite. What are one of your favorite Neo characters? And we'll talk oh, about the, sure. the making um, of the character. Oh uh, yeah, sure. So we have uh, Chishiro, who is the red green uh, snake commander. I was snake. Um, why am I blanking on the Orochi? Yeah, Orochi. Thank you. Like, he's the the Orochi commander, and uh, we wanted to hit some really cool resonant tropes with the uh, Japanese pop culture. Like he, uh, he, he definitely has a lot of Kurosawa in him. He's a wandering samurai. Mm-hmm. He's also like really anime. <laughs> like his ultimately, if you read his story, it's, it's kind of about the power of friendship at the core of it. So there's a, <laughs> a lot of outside influences. And then we thought like the floating broken shards of the blade were cool. Uh, Don Morin was the art director for that card. And he <laughs> turned out really, really awesome. Now, how often when you do characters like that, how often are you working with the artists so that the the visuals are matching the story of the character? Um, the timeline keeps changing and evolving with how we handle the side stories. Like we brought them back with uh, Zendikar and have been kind of just trying to figure out the best way to line everything up. So it's different every time. I don't have a I don't have a satisfying answer to that one. I'm sorry. Yeah. The, so w- when. I just I want people to understand, like, how often 
is like what tends to come first in making a legendary creature? I mean, I know it varies from card to card, but like, like when do you get involved normally? Like how, how early in the creation of a character do you even get involved? So for me, it's much later. Uh, like the set lead and the uh, card designers, if they, they have come up with characters they know are going to be important in the story, those come in ahead of time and kind of get work together to, it's not really top down, but it's like, we need this, this card to play like this character mm-hmm. and they'll make that happen. Uh, my role in this process is kind of picking up the pieces. <laughs> like it is, right. these are the legendary characters that we couldn't find a spot for in the story, but we want them to be cool and exciting and have stuff about them. So I kind of, I feel, I, I'm a, a blank filler. Right. So, so yeah. the, your job is sort of like, these are characters that didn't get the love in the main part of the story, but we, we want them to have some, some character work and, and stories built into them. That, that's some stuff you work on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, that's, that's getting spread out a little more now, but for, for a while, that was uh, just like me and the set lead for whatever given set, banging our heads together, making cool characters come out. So my favorite bio that I ever wrote, if you look it up in Commander Legends, was for Obeka, the, uh, the ogre who punches time, because she's really cool. And also, some of uh, there's some pretty good jokes in there. <laughs> oh, speak, speaking of which, uh, a little throw forward here to a, a potential future podcast. Um, you and I had a chance to work together because you were in charge of names and flavor text for Infinity. That is true. I was, and I got to hire a very exciting team. And Mark was also foist upon me, and it was <laughs> great. <laughs> I, at some point, we'll have a podcast. Once the, the, sadly, we can't really get into it until. Um, it's all public because uh, the audience has seen a few cards. But um, so I promise you, at some point later, when uh, when the set comes out, I, I I will have infinite podcast on Infinity. Pro- I promise you that. So um, as someone who's like second booster pack ever was unglued, that whole process was such an honor for me. Though I'm so excited to talk about it. Yeah, no, it's it's well. One of the things is you also have uh, a comedy background. Uh. Sort of. I mean, I really like attention. That's true. <laughs> but uh, my, 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 my background is straight up from advertising. I worked mm-hmm. in a, uh, an ad agency before I came over to Wizards. Mm-hmm. But I did do a lot of humor-based writing in a marketing context. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm really funny. And sometimes the people around me will laugh like a couple times out of courtesies. And that's a win. It's interesting. That, that, like, uh, I always talk about how... That like a lot of people say, how do I how do I work on magic? And it's like, well, there's infinite entry points, right? Um, like ab- advertising is very interesting because, um, I mean, like marketing is a huge part of magic. I mean, you you are sort of tangentially connected to marketing, obviously. Um, yeah, I, uh, I I we uh, there's I, I'm often the bridge between creative and marketing, and I uh, I really enjoy being able to work with all the different departments. Yeah, and it's 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 very funny that I. I'm so focused on design. Like, if you listen to my podcast, it's about making the cards. But there's a huge, like, once the cards are done, there's a huge gap between that being true and the set being out. And that a lot, like, just, for example, just getting back to your main copywriting job, like, there's a lot of communication that has to go on. Like, we make a set. Okay, the audience doesn't know what that set is, and we have to do a lot to sort of convey all that. And, and, and at every level, I think... I mean, my podcast listeners are a little more on the enfranchise end of the spectrum, right? If, you, if you're if you regularly listening to a podcast about magic design, odds are you're very invested into magic. Um, but there's lots and lots of people who play, and like I, one of the things I always point out is there are basic things 
Like, the average Magic player doesn't know what a Planeswalker is. That blows people's minds. But, you know, that they... Like, they don't open enough packs, they always see a Planeswalker. So they might not even own a Planeswalker card, let alone understand story-wise what a Planeswalker is. And I know for people who are very enfranchised, they're like, well, it's one of the card types. How do you not know that? Um, you know, and that's a, a big part of this is every set, when we make a set, I mean, I, I guess your job is, why is this exciting? Why Why should random person want this thing? Um, yeah, and I absolutely. And that's also why, like, like you said, people don't really know what a planeswalker is per se off the get-go that's when we have stuff like the welcome booster that at its core level is just like this vertical slice of everything that makes magic magic like for those i write uh bios each set about whatever whoever the main planeswalker is mm -hmm. and we put them in there and you get like a you get a planeswalker card and a foil and a just a whole bunch of cool stuff that's a great way to just kind of induct people into everything that magic is about yeah and like i said it's it's my, my background is communications, right? So uh, you, you and I sort of overlap a little bit. Um, I, I, I was forced to take like uh, advertising classes and PR classes, even though I, I was on the broadcast and film side of the thing. But, um, but it really made me realize like the power, like one of the things where, where there's a lot of overlap between our jobs is that, you know, we have to use words to convey a lot of different things. I mean, I'm, I'm doing it through rule text and you're doing it through copy, but there's a lot of sort of like, how do I get somebody excited? So let's just take Kamigawa as an example. So sure. let's say you're making, okay, you got to write text for Kamigawa. Um, the, the really interesting question there is, how do you do that? And so one of the things that I'm interested in sort of having you walk through is there's a lot of different products. Like, I, I don't think the average audience understands maybe how many different things we make when you talk about something like Kamigawa. So... Here's what I'd like to do. Let's talk about all the different products that came out of Kamigawa and how those are different from each other. So where do you want to start? Pick a, pick a Kamigawa product to start with. All right, sure. Well, I'll, I'll try to go in the order that I usually write my documents because okay. that's how they're sorted in my head. Okay. So we have the the baseline product is the, uh, the set and the draft boosters. Those usually share copy. Um, we develop a tagline for those that's kind of universal to the set. And addictive the whole thing. And then... Uh, what was Kamigawa's tagline? Oh, well, you're going to make me look it up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that the marketing tagline for that one was lighted up. Mm -hmm. But the marketing tagline and the, uh, the packaging taglines are different because the timeline between those two things are extremely different. So if you look at the back of a set booster or a draft booster for Kamigawa, you will see that the oh i clicked the wrong button i thought mm -hmm. i was being so smooth with my timing <laughs> main package copy here we go so for kamigawa obviously i wrote this like over a year ago yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so for kamigawa it was the future is now was our tagline for for draft and set which you know um a big core of the set is the conflict between tradition and modernity and we're kind of also, like, this is kind of the biggest foot Magic has ever set forward into the future. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of just uh, compressing this big birth of timeline into a single sentence was the, the, uh, the goal there. Uh, it's up to y'all if we succeeded, I suppose. Um, yeah, so that, that bundle copy, or that bundle, is, that copy is shared across draft set and bundle. Then you have the collector boosters, which uh, is much more about, look at all this cool stuff that's, 
it's really exciting. You have the the samurai cards and the ninja cards and the the neon cards and the neon ink Hidetsugu and all that crazy stuff. So that one, we uh, it's cutting edge booster technology, is how we describe that mm-hmm. set. And we can describe the cards. They're cybernetically enhanced neon dynasty boosters with tons of exciting cards, just like that kind of like language that captures the cyberpunk feel of the set while still uh, being very specific to this is the product that you are getting. Um, then, obviously, you have the commander decks, and the commander decks have a different tone than everything else. The commander decks are more like, this is social gameplay, we're going to all hang out. And so they're less about taglines and more about like the names of the decks, which we have, we have buckle up for the vehicles. Yeah, so I, I name all the decks as well. <laughs> we had buckle up and upgrades unleashed for those. And... Um, the tone on those are much more like, hey, get together with your friends and kick their butts, but we're all friends, but you're going to win, but we're friends. <laughs> so that kind of uh, language. And that's it for the outer package copy. But uh, we also have the inserts. That's a big part of my job. Sorry, I could talk about those. Sure, so, what, what, so what, are, what were the inserts for uh, Neon Dynasty? So the Neon didn't actually have copies, so I'm going to rewind a oh, little okay, bit okay. Okay. to Mid and Vow. Okay, sure. Mid and Vow... Um, had, I thought, pretty exciting inserts. So often, but not always, the pre-release and the bundle share insert art. And our goal with the inserts, uh, the packaging team's goal, is to kind of create a immersive object that well, it looks really nice and it gets you excited about being there. So for Mid and Vow, we, uh, we got this artist named Jeremy Solomon, who's uh, extremely good, and he did these kind of uh, tarot-esque uh, illustrations and for for mid I wrote a prayer to Sigarda that goes around it and it, it actually loops infinitely and I was kind of proud of proud of that <laughs> and uh, then for vow we had the the vows between uh, Olivia and Edgar in uh, yeah spoiler alert for the plot of, of Crimson <laughs> Vow right there <laughs> but yeah that was really cool and so um, now do you. That's all the stuff that literally, like, there's stuff inside or outside the booster pack. Do you do text beyond that? Like, is there other text that you have a hand in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just real quick, still within packaging, we tried to put some little Easter eggs somewhere. Like, we, as we've been losing the plastic from our packaging, something mm-hmm. I'm very excited about, we have a lot more tear strips on stuff to make yeah. sure it's secure. So we're trying to up the number of hidden messages under tear strips. Okay. Also, actually, real quick, as a, a challenge to everyone out there. There is an Easter egg on Sinister Spellbook Chandra that I haven't seen anyone talk about. So someone find that and tag me when you post it. Okay, a challenge. I, I was excited about it. A cha- We have a lot of listeners here. So a challenge to find out what the secret message was. The secret oh, yeah. Easter egg. Yeah, secret thing. Yeah. A secret thing. But, it's an Easter egg. A secret thing. But it's true. My copy extends beyond packaging. I also <laughs> do a lot of writing for Secret Lair. Oh, wait, before, sure. we, before we get to Secret oh, Lair, I just want to share one one story, and then we'll jump to Secret Lair. Oh, um, so I don't have a lot of experience writing uh, packaging, but I did do one thing that is was an Easter egg of my own doing. Um, so for, I think it was Unhinged, they let me write the legal text for the packaging of Unhinged, and it is very silly, and, and uh, I was very proud of it. Like the, the lawyer said, you have to say A, B, and C, and beyond that, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I had to show it to them, but... Uh, so anyway, uh, if you ever get a, pa- a package of unhinged, I wrote the bo- I wrote the legal text on the packaging, and it is 
quite silly. So anyway, <laughs> you did all you did slightly contribute to some of the patching for Infinity as well. Oh, I did, I did. A, yeah. a certain Greg <laughs> that made an appearance. Ah, uh, yes, yes. There's a. Uh, Anyway, we can't get too much infinity, yeah. no, yeah, no, it's, it's but there is a there is a character that didn't make it into uh, flavor text that uh, Ari so kindly got him into the, uh, the 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 text of the box. So uh, anyway, uh, we'll, we'll, okay, we'll talk about infinity. I promise. I promise we'll have an infinity chat. Okay, so let's talk um, secret layer. So I know you have a lot of involvement in secret layer. So let, let's. What all do you do in secret layer? Um. Yeah. So I write a. I think it's a, most of the art descriptions for Secret Lair, and I also do most of the creative text, most of the flavor text. Talk about the art descriptions first. Okay. Um, so writing art descriptions for Secret Lair is not the same as writing art descriptions for regular magic most of the time. Like, regular magic, there's a... In general, you want to leave stuff up to the artists because the artists are all amazing, mm -hmm. and we want them to put themselves into the work. We don't want them doing exactly what we said. Yeah. But for Secret Lair, that's like to the infinite power. Like, for Secret Lair, we want artists expressing themselves and going wild. Yeah. Yeah, some of the art descriptions for Secret Lair are like, this is a black sorcery. Draw the end of the world. Thanks. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, just really, it's, it's um, certainly an easier task than uh, writing the flavor tag, or the, the, um, the art descriptions for main set stuff. Mm. But you can get some really wacky stuff too. Like, once I started working with artists for a second time and kind of have an idea of what they're about, you can kind of start giving them suggestions and be like, hey, you know, it'd be really fun if you, uh, if you drew this goblin skateboarding or whatever. <laughs> we could get that kind of stuff. Yeah, the, the uh, interesting thing of working with artists is that you start, I mean, the more you work with them, you learn, like, what they enjoy and what they're good at, and you can sort of lean in. I know art directors do this all the time, of like, oh, for this concept, this artist would be really good at it. And it's fun to let the artist play in areas where their strengths lie. Yeah. I mean, to me, and I think to to the team, Secret Lair is ultimately a passion project. Like, it was initially pitched top. It's a love letter to the game of Magic the Gathering. It's just, We're just trying to, like, do all this cool and fun stuff because it's a fun game. And I don't know, it's, it's all different kinds of expression that you don't normally get to see within normal sets. Um, yeah, which I also think finds its way into the flavor text like yes. you know the uh the flavor text that i wrote for uh void slime in the the wizard of barge prime slime set i know a lot of people are really excited about that that's just like the the person getting uh slimed in the face when they're trying to cast cyclonic rift and we can't really make like that kind of like tongue-in-cheek joke in the main set very often but we have that kind of room to play in secret lair yeah, the, the interesting thing for me, the, I think the same reason I really have joy making unsets is the same reason you like playing Secret Lair, which is it's kind of fun when the boundaries aren't there. You're like, it's like, I can do almost anything, you know, and it's it's intimidating. That freedom can be intimidating, but it's also really exciting just like pushing in places that normally we don't get a push. And that's, there's a lot of fun of just doing things you normally aren't allowed to do. Yeah, no, I definitely, I've definitely elicited some eye rolls from the audience that I've seen. That you know, like, all right, I won't do that again. <laughs> but definitely, it is a, a product, a product that we enjoy having push boundaries. And actually, the, the really cool thing that I've been able to do with the text is with the artist series, is that you get to uh, get to really like collaborate with the artists. We've been reaching out to the artists and be like, mm -hmm. "Hey, I'm Ari. What do you want to do here? <laughs> you got to do like, um, like." 
Voss wrote that haiku that spanned across the four cards. We have we have more poetry coming up. We have people whose family wrote. We have uh, it, yeah some stuff that I can't mention yet. It's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, it, it's fun that you really get to push boundaries, and I mean, even for those people who don't necessarily purchase Secret Lair, it's a lot of fun to look at. I, I would always recommend for the people, even if you never actually purchase a Secret Lair product, look at the Secret Lair cards. They are, they're very, very fun. Uh, I mean, not saying you can't buy them. You want to buy them, also buy them. But uh, they're a lot of fun to look at. Please buy them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's a... Uh... No, it, it's a pure joy. And also, if you go to the Secret Lair website and read my product descriptions, they've become more unhinged over time, and I'm getting encouraged to do that. So there's an extra level of silliness if you want it. So real quickly, for the audience who might not know this, so there's a Secret Lair website. How do you find That's the Secret true. Lair website? Uh, well, you see, you go to secretlair.wizards.com. It's, it's, it's a really badly kept secret, actually. It's kind of <laughs> embarrassing, but it's really easy to find. Just secretlair.wizards.com. And uh, there's actually a sale going on right now. Oh, I didn't, even, and I didn't even get into how exciting it was to like write art descriptions for Street Fighter cards. As a a lifelong Street Fighter fan, I jammed as many Easter eggs to those as possible. Yeah, one one of the things that's a lot of fun is like uh, something I'm hoping that I mean hope, hoping people are getting from you from this is that one of the things I love about Magic is everybody really enjoys what they do. You know, everybody really has a passion for. Like, I'll bring on art directors, and they love art, you know, and bring on designers, and they love making cards, or play designers love playtesting and balancing, you know. And so, you and I have a share for words, that we have a love of words. Um, and it is, I get a great kick. I, I always love reading your copy, because it's, it's fun to see, how do you take this very complex idea and boil it down? Like, Neon Dynasty is a great example of, there is so much going on in that set, there's a lot, you know, we packed a lot in, and there's something really challenging about how do I take this large concept and bake it down right into a line? How do I give a single line or a few line, a few sentences that describe the essence of what it is? And that's always fascinating to me. Oh yeah, no, it's a, it's a lot of fun to do. Like you said, it, a passion for words is definitely the required baseline. But there's so many different ways to express that passion. No, no, yes, definitely. Um, so any, uh, we're, I, I can see my desk here, so we're not, not I'm not too far from work. Um, any stories you want to share? Any fun stories of the making of of your job? Uh, let's see. I I accidentally said them the one the ones I had in the oh. chamber <laughs> as we were going, but um, I, I well, how, how, how about this? Um, hmm? here's something we could do that might be fun. Um, yeah. can you pull up pull up the unhinged? Let's pull up the unhinged cards that upside not unhinged unfinished cards that are public. Oh yeah, um, and we will share a story about the making of. Let me look real quick. Uh, so, and we will sh we'll share the story of one of them. Um, let's see. Okay. Killer cosplay. Uh, so there's assembled ensemble, saw in half, killer cosplay, space family Gobinson. Uh, those and then lots of lands. Yeah. So, oh, um, so pretty. Okay, killer cosplay. That's right. Let's talk the story of killer cosplay. Oh, sure. Um, well, so let, let me read what the card is, and then I'll read the flavor text, and we'll talk about how we got there. So killer cosplay costs a green, artifact equipment. Whenever killer cosplay becomes attached to a creature, choose a creature card name with an identical mana cost. That creature becomes a copy of the card with the chosen name until killer cosplay becomes unattached from it. Equip three. And the art is of a little bear in a Lurgoyf costume. 
um, walking with the, their mother. And, and then the flavor text is, Ak Hans Run, get the camera, he's adorable, Steffi Bob's daughter, next words. Okay, how did we get that flavor text? How did that happen? Well, I pulled up our, uh, our, our history of text development here. So okay. I, can, I, got the, I got the full scoop. But yeah, uh, actually, the, it looks like Killer Cosplay was actually the very first name submitted for this card. So that one was easy. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, so by... the, the way it works, by the way, there's a, a place that everybody who's on the team submits stuff so that everybody who's submitted can see everybody else's submissions so that we can riff off each other. That happens a lot. And this is this might be like a little pretentious and writery, but I think that there's some significance in getting very modern terminology like cosplay into magic. Like, obviously, that word would not fit in a normal magic set. Any standard one or other, but Infinity is where you do get to push those boundaries and put in more recent terminology and concepts. Recent from, you know, not that recent. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, as for the flavor text, it looks like uh, well, we have a, a, a submission from Mark Rosewater. It says, you're such a cute little Tarmogoyf. And then immediately we have Graham Stark of Loading Ready Run fame coming in with the uh, with the Lurgoyf reference with, ah, Hank, look, it's adorable. And uh, it kind of everyone really leaned into the uh, the Lurgoyf, uh reference, and it kind of evolved into where we got here. So the I think the uh, the next words is a very us joke, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> As opposed to last words. Yeah. So the original quote from Lurgoyf is "Ak Hans Run, it's the Lurgoyf. Um Safi Eric's daughter, last words. That that's the so we're. we're Part of what we get to do in Unsets is we're making fun of, you know, we're doing parodies of something. The, the art in the card is a character dressed like a Lurgoyf, so we're having fun with Lurgoyf. Uh, and Akhan's run, there's few pieces of flavor text that inspired more cards than that piece of flavor text. There's a card called Akhan's run, Eric Safi, uh, Eric, sorry, Safi Eric's daughter became a card, Hans became a card. So like, you know, there's this infinite, that, that flavor text is much beloved by the, the audience. Um, and I think, right, what happened was I said he's adorable, and then Graham came back with, let's do it as a reference to Lurgoyf, Akans run, or Akans, he's adorable. Um, and then I think I'm the one that said, well, can we weave the Hans run back into it, right? Why would you tell Hans to run? And it's like, well, he's so cute. Okay, go get your camera. He's, he's so cute. Uh, I think I pitched that, right? Is that how the order went? That sounds right to me. Um, and then uh, we, ha you and I had a lot of discussion about the, uh, the attribution. <clears throat> yes. Um, and I think I submitted Steffi Bob's daughter. So the original did, character yeah. is Safi Eric's daughter. Um, so we wanted to sound like Safi Eric's daughter. Uh, and Eric's daughter means like literally Eric's daughter um, in whatever, in Swedish or whatever, whatever language uh, that is. It's from some Scandinavian language. Um, so, I so I liked the idea that, well, it's a modern day. So instead of having older names, let's use modern names. So instead of Safi, we did Steffi because Stephanie's a more, you know, current name. And then I just was trying to come up with the silliest name, like somebody's daughter. And I don't know, Bob's daughter struck me as being funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, Bob is a, Bob is a go-to. Apologies to all Bobs out there. I usually immediately go to Greg. Also, apology to all Gregs. Whenever and I there's a name. Uh, when the set comes out, there is a Greg, although on, I guess he's in the, the box, he's in the box oh, yeah. text and not, not on the card text, but 
that's a story to be told in the future. But anyway, so, like, this is a good example where there was a lot of fun riffing on the card, right, where, like, you know, everybody, oh, and the, the writers got to see all the components. We got to see the art and everything. So, like, we were working to make a whole cohesive card. So that card is really cool. I'm excited to play with that one. That's really fun. Okay, why don't we share one more story and then then we'll call it a day. I want to talk about Ensembled Ensemble. Yes, Ensembled Ensemble. This card took forever for us to do. Yeah, I think... Oh my god, I, I'm trying to pull it up here. I just, I just found the right name. Alright, there we go. So so the, 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 here's yeah. the history of this card. Um, when we did the world building, the initial world building, one of the artists who did the world building made this giant robot that played the triangle. And we thought that was the cutest thing in the world. So we said, okay, we're going to make a card for this giant robot that plays a triangle. Uh, and then the artist ended up making a whole band. I mean, the centerpiece is the giant guy playing the triangle, but there's a whole band playing. Um, the, the clowns in the set are all robots, for those that don't already know that, um, to make the crowns fun and science fiction-y and a little less creepy. We made all the clowns robots, and they're very colorful robots. They're very fun. Okay, so we had to name this card, and we knew that we wanted it to represent... I mean, we had the art, so we had to represent a band. So what what did we do? Yeah, so this card, when we finalized the creative text process, the super-duper final creative text process, which, uh, spoiler alert, it was not the final creative text process, we shipped this card with the name Dingomatic <laughs> as a, a triangle-playing robot. It's the Dingomatic, that name from Kathleen DeVere. And... Um, we had a actually so the the text that I had for a really long time was forty five tons one clear purpose, but you look at the art and you're like yeah, it's it's really not that clear that it's playing the triangle right off the bat that text is not uh, not quite going to work so we we, we 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 put our heads together well let, we put, let me explain already really quickly that yeah, sure. the the way the the picture got laid out just of, of the 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 main character is playing the, the triangle, but there's so much else going on that your attention isn't drawn there visually. And so you more notice it's a band of clowns than it's specifically this one. And we were trying to focus on the triangle player, but it was throwing the joke and like it just wasn't working. That, that, that was the problem. Yeah. And so saying that it was clear and the flavor text was absolutely not working. We're like, all right, well, we need to get this text final. It's still dingomatic in our hearts. So we uh, we developed a new flavor text, which was one million two hundred sixty seven thousand five hundred ninety four blorb alloy gears, eight hundred seventy six meters of iridium plated wiring, one slightly used triangle. And we're like, all right, this is great. We still have our triangle joke. It's still a joke about how big he is. And we shipped it, and we were done forever. Isn't that right, Mark? We were done, except we're done. we worked. <laughs> and that and that's why the card sitting in front of you looks completely different. Uh, so 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 what happened? Why didn't we use that flavor text? Oh, because we showed it to a lot more people, and they were like, "What is this business with the triangle?" We see that we see a, a little uh, clown robot orchestra. This is a band. This isn't a triangle robot. And we were like, "Ugh, fine." Right. We had to focus on the band. The, the problem was we couldn't focus on the triangle player. We had to focus on the whole band. Yeah. So we had to we had to completely rewrite the name and redo the flavor text. Yeah, it was me, you, and Matt Tabak at the last minute, right? Matt was our Matt was the editor for the set, so yeah. Yeah, so we got to Assembled Ensemble, which is the card that you have before you today. Right. So the name now references the name now references the fact that it's the whole band and not just the triangle player. Exactly. Actually, I believe this this flavor text comes from Tabak. I don't know. It's very funny what's on there right now. I'm a fan. I think you. 
I, it was a combination. I think what happened was we liked the idea that since it was a band, let's talk about what their song is. And then yeah. we were riff, we were riffing on songs. And then we came across your wait your wait from this point is some number of hours. And we argued about how many hours was the funniest number of hours. And we and because of since it's an acorn card, it has the stamp that has the little bump on the bottom of the card. Oh, right. Yes. Where like the rare stamp would go, the time couldn't be too long. Because like anything longer than the word seven would push the flavor text into the bump. <laughs> so there's a lot of like weird little considerations like that when it comes to fitting text on cards. Yeah, and I think early on we had like a two-digit number. Like, oh, that's, that's funny, you know, like yeah, 20, yeah, yeah. 22. But then we said, oh, well, it wouldn't fit. And okay, maybe maybe we need a, a weight that's long, but like you could imagine it could be that long. So, uh, yeah, and then we... Seven's a funny number. It's like someone tried to draw a straight line and they yeah. messed up really bad. Like, ugh. Uh, but this is just a good... I mean, I, I promise when the set comes out, you and I, I'll, I'll get Ari back and we can do more of this. But it's... It's fun talking about how you think you have something. And this is true, by the way, for, for any naming or flavor text. We're just talking about the unsets. And because it's comedy, we're obviously we're trying to be funny. On top of everything else, we're also trying to be funny. Um, so hard. I know. Comedy comedy ain't so easy. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I, I can see my desk. So we all know what that means. I mean, this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So I want to thank you, Ari, for coming and sharing, talking about all the, all you do with magic. It was my pleasure. Uh, so thank you so much. Uh, and to everybody else, I will see you all next time. Bye-bye.